I'm Carl. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is August 22nd, 2014. I'm Steve. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is February 7th, 2010. I'm Ellen, and my, I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is June 11th, 2013. Welcome to SoberPod. We would like to remind you that we on SoberPod do not speak for or represent any outside recovery or 12-step groups. All opinions expressed on SoberPod are those of the individual speaking them, whether they regret it or not. We are not addiction health or mental health professionals and strongly urge you to listen in moderation. This week's sponsor for SoberPod is SoberGrid. SoberGrid is a free iOS Android app that connects you with other sober people. You are instantly connected to a global sober community in your neighborhood and around the globe. You can build strong sober support networks and inspire others. SoberGrid is also posting original content like Real Talk with Louis Sabatasso, a gritty interview show about life before recovery, after recovery, and everything in between. SoberGrid has been featured in Forbes, the New York Times, and has received grants from both the National Science Foundation and National Institute of Health. Check out all the features of SoberGrid and learn more about SoberGrid at SoberGrid.com. So here we are. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of SoberPod. Today we have a very special show. I'm noticing it is smelling less like rancid filth in here, and it is less musky because I think I actually see a girl. It's time to put an end to the sausage fest. It is. All sausage fests must come to an end. It's a sad day. Zip them up, boys, because a lady's in the room. Zip. We've got Ellen here with us today on the show. How are you, Ellen? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, to well, your own home. To, to, yeah, to my own home <laughs> and to this lovely sausage fest. Oh, what a lovely day for a sausage fest. I remember my grandfather used to say that. <laughs> He wasn't allowed. Uh, he wasn't ar- allowed around very much longer after that. So, do we want to do? We, you know, when there's an elephant in the room, introduce him. Um, so, so Ellen is of Ellen fame. She's already been made famous <laughs> by the podcast. Is that right? That's true. So, so Ellen, Steve, Steve, Ellen, you guys know each other. I have been following <laughs> Ellen for five years now. <laughs> Yeah. Every morning, yeah, I, I, I follow her down the freeway to her work. I do it sober. Sadly, my sponsor yeah. said that When he was saying my girlfriend this whole time, yes. like she had no clue. Yes, she did not know. This is a surprise. This is a coming out party for your boy. Wait, wait. This is a surprise relationship from your boyfriend to let you know I've been your boyfriend for five years. So well, that want, is really good to know. And you Thank guys you cannot so hear it on the podcast, but she is dancing and smiling and reveling in the fact that she has been tied to me, this love, this sinking ship of a man for five years, and it's been wonderful. So yes. if you've been listening to all the episodes, basically, at this point, you know that there's a relationship between Ellen and Steve. So I just want to clear the air there, just so yes. everybody's quite aware that Steve's not going to be as hard on Ellen as he was on Travis, or me for that matter. He's got, some, he's got some sensitivities. I can already feel it. I'm really I'm not, not, I'm I'm really, not so sure about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm really going to avoid the chance to make the obvious joke about hard on Ellen. <clears throat> so, Whatever. Well, <laughs> yeah, so that's it, ladies, listening to this podcast. Get your hands out of your pants. I'm spoken for. That's what you need to know. All right. This sober stallion is I was taken. I laughing into the microphone. Dead into it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, Ellen's going to be our guest this week. And also we have Cupcake, who's uh, Ellen's dog. She's roaming around here somewhere. She does have a squeak toy. Oh, she's under a blanket taking a nap. But there is a squeak toy around here somewhere, as well as Cupcake's collar. So if you hear that during the episode, that's just her way of saying hello. But we are at the point of the show. We're going to get ourselves checked in for the week. And you've also heard him. You can tell he did not die in the fires here in California. Mr. Carl's back and on SoberPod. I didn't drink either. Yay. Yay! He didn't drink and he didn't yeah. die in the fires. He's yeah. just showing off, folks. I was listening to the episode because I did. I quickly uploaded while I was in the RV, right? And I was yeah. listening to it. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I drank? <laughs> No, it's that cunning, yeah. baffling, powerful. Yeah. You don't even <laughs> yeah, know that you're I had no clue it even happened. So, um, yeah, no, we, we, we survived the fires. I survived my family. I think that's the really important part. I know that my wife is listening, and, you know, really it wasn't that bad, uh, honey. So, um, no, it was it was all good. We, um, we uh, were in an RV in front of my sponsor's house and uh, uh, just camping on the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> so I think about four days. So did you uh, build a campfire and do the s'mores? No, and all I actually that? thought about lighting his house on fire at one point, <laughs> but uh, I made the decision not to. And, uh, and did actually... you have to consult him first before you? I got to call my sponsor to... about setting his house on fire. <laughs> hey man, hey it's uh, me. The, Just yeah. you know, you're being a real fucking tool lately. I, I, but you're my yeah. sponsor. Just I just so you know, right I, up, right I have a match and, it, and I, I need yeah. to light it right now. I'm, I'm really thinking about taking this here oily shop rag yeah. and just jamming it up your, <laughs> jamming it up you and turning you into a big sober Roman candle. What do you think? It would have been nice to call him from the RV and be like, I'm right out in front of your house, buddy. Yeah. But because uh, <laughs> I was, but, yeah. be like, but no, your, I mean, really. your, your porch lights on. <laughs> <laughs> it's shining in my window. Can you turn that off, please? So to be honest though, and to be like really s- serious, because you know this is how I roll. I go high and I go low. Um, is uh, you know, it was just nice to actually have somebody to call, and I think that that's something that you know five years ago I wouldn't have you know had, and and that's you know the. I guess the blessing of it, right? It's just to sit there and go, you know, you know, there's my family, you know, my wife, my at least two daughters, one daughter went to her friends and son went to his, but, um, but, you know, just to have my family there and, you know, like having a place to go was cool because before that, and as Steve will attest is that we're not the m- most trusting family. Like we're, <laughs> we're a little <laughs> driven to a little paranoia <laughs> at times. So we're not really trusting. So at this point it was just nice to have a place to be and a place to go where we could, you know. So camp. your family was on board with the plan about going to the sponsor's house? Not necessarily on board, but like, you know, they, options, they grew options on... are still thin, let's just say. Oh yeah. You yeah. Know, so yeah. So that was good. Yeah. That was good. All right. Well, uh, it's been been an all right week for me. I'm not, like I said, I'm just still job hunting and uh, lighting up Twitter and Facebook. And if anyone out there is following us on Facebook or Twitter and you're like, my God, there's a lot of content coming out of SoberPod, that's me. Yeah. And that's because I have nothing else to do. So I'm going to cram this podcast down your throat, Twitterverse, <laughs> until we manage to break a thousand listeners, which we're almost at, by the way. I'm very proud. No, of you're not. Well, they don't know that. They're a bunch of recovery. They can look. They're idiots. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know how to count. Yeah, they don't know how to count. <laughs> Unless there's beers involved. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Unless it's beers or DUIs. They don't know how to or do that. Or dimes or whatever they call it, ounces. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> they're counting, in, counting tweets in ounces. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> 
That would be amazing if we could get Twitter to convert our uh, tweets to ounces. We got an eight ball of listeners. <laughs> eight ball of listeners. Hey, now. Hey, look at Ellen go. Really gunning for the position already. I know. I like it. It's about time somebody showed up for work on this show. <laughs> I know. It's, it's been an all right week. I've definitely had... I've definitely had those, uh, that feeling of mild depression coming back in. Something recovery taught me is I need structure and I need a plan of things to do during the day. So actually having the show and actually something I, you know, a lot of people like to shit on Twitter, especially on Twitter, like <laughs> not take a shit while they're on Twitter or physically shit on the Twitter machine. I kind of do all the time, actually. Well, you know, <laughs> I think most people actually do. Well, that's that's lovely. I'm glad I could join you for that. <laughs> Is time. that where the poo emoji comes from? Yes, okay. it comes out after, as you've got to really squeeze the cheeks, and it'll pop up there on the screen for you. But- hashtag SilverPod shout out. Hashtag poop emoji. <laughs> hashtag SilverPod shit out now on Twitter. But I've something cool that recovery's taught me is that. Keep a keep a regular and actually this is really just more generally for the mild depression stuff. But I learned in recovery a long time ago a good strategy people helped teach me was okay get to bed on uh get to bed at a usual time get up at a usual time find stuff to do if it's just cleaning up around the house have a goal each day of okay I'm going to submit this many job applications uh get to the gym and just keep finding stuff to do so I have some kind of sense of accomplishment throughout the day and also to let someone know, yeah, I am kind of having those little mild waves of depression coming over me just because it's a transition going from being busy all day every day to boom, all of a sudden there's nothing. But it's going well. Actually, I can say that I've definitely had periods of my sobriety where I've been inactive for longer periods of time or actually shorter periods of time and it's hit me way harder. Like this time it's going a lot easier because I remembered the things I've learned before and said, okay, that's what I have to do again. And it's helping out uh, quite a bit. But also, you know, like I said, make sure you let somebody know around you, hey, I'm having these thoughts and experiences because it helps with accountability, someone to be honest with and someone to keep up to. Also to trigger solutions, right? You know, it's like to remind you that there is the solutions in case you're not not replaying the right one. You know, one, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's just something I wanted to weigh in. And, like, because it may not sound, well, I don't know. Maybe it does or maybe it doesn't. That's something I'm grateful for because I see this and I'm like, no, this is something that'll pass. This is just something I know that my brain likes to do when I get inactive. And so it's not the end of the world. It's not anything coming crashing down. It's just what happens. So I'm very grateful to know that. Mm, but, well, how did you deal with the extra time when you were newly sober? Because you know, uh, we'll after... be doing the interviews here, okay, lady. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, after I mean, <laughs> after a few years of sobriety, you know, yeah, like this to too good... shall pass, and all that. You're off to a good start, but I think we're getting a little big for our britches over here in the guest spot. No, actually, hey, that I'm is the a, guest. That is a good and question. This is my house, so. Oh, oh! Suddenly, that graciousness goes out the window. No, that is a good question. I believe in early sobriety. I watched a lot of the show Reba. That was pretty much my 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 strategy back then was that I watched Reba and uh, she had a funny show. I enjoyed the uh, the I believe her son in law on it. He was pretty funny. Uh, that's all I did. I just watched TV. You sure it wasn't Boston Legal? I like Boston Legal too, but I did not have the DVDs back then. What about um, Die Hard? Die Hard. I actually no. I I hadn't seen Die Hard since I was a kid. And Turner I got and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. Ask him how many times he's seen Pujinsky. Die Hard. 
or Puchinski. That's also a great show I discovered this week. Look Uh-oh. up Puchinski. But anyway, closets. Okay, here we come. Anyway, so uh, how about you, Alan? What's your what's your check in for the week? How's your week been? Um, always busy. I'm always busy. It's just at work, you know, um, taking care of my dog and my cat. And I mean, it sounds pretty serene, which I guess it is, you know, compared to my life before sobriety. But uh, it's just really nice to, you know, give 100% at work and then come home and be able to relax um, without a drink and to be able to take care of something else, you know, like my dog and my cat. And it helps me to focus, you know, feeding them, making sure that they get a walk, making sure, you know, they're taken care of. I mean, it might sound boring and maybe grandma-like, but I'm I'm really cool with no, that. I just imagine that you're going to be doing that to Steve in about another 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and hanging out with Steve. That That's oh, cool, yeah. too. Yeah. If I relapse, it could be much sooner. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. But uh, also, actually, I'm, you uh, you reminded me of something. Before we get to Ellen's uh, drinking career resume, we'll let you know what that is in just a moment. Uh, we've got some SoberPod shout-outs this week. I've got our first one, which comes from our inaugural shout-out last week on my very tinny solo episode of uh, Deanna Don't You Know. She's get, uh, hit us up for another SoberPod shout-out, and thank you again, Deanna. It's always good to hear from you. Uh, she's got some possible Facebook stuff coming up. She mentioned something about maybe publishing a sober diary on there. So if you're new and uh, are new to sobriety or curious, look her, uh, look her up at, at Deanna Don't You Know on on uh, on the Twitter machine there. And we've got some more sober pod shout outs from Carl. So uh, doing a special shout out actually. Uh, we got a friend uh, Mark who special who's... <laughs> shout out. <laughs> no balls involved. Uh, Mark Mark is. Uh, uh, one of our friends, and he's been incapacitated, and he's been uh, uh, in and out of um, hospital and back to, uh, I guess, uh, uh, rehabilitation home. I don't even know what you call those things. Uh, but um, he, um, he's he been listening to all the episodes, and he really, um, you know, he's been getting a lot of out of it because he knows both of us, actually. So it's been nice to have him. Hey, uh, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hi, Mark. We love you. <laughs> love you. Miss you. Uh, and so... Uh, so he's in rehabilitation, trying to get uh, up and at him. And um, two other things. Uh, so Cool Crosby is celebrating nine years, uh, actually today, I believe. And I believe it's pronounced Cool Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has the accent and everything. Uh, you get to put glasses on for that stuff. Yes. Um, but uh, so he's got nine years, and he was a real big um, wow uh, um, voice on on Reddit. Uh, stopped drinking when I was on there as well, and I don't know if he is anymore, but he was a real um, big proponent for, uh, uh, you know, going to meetings for me anyway. So uh, it was nice to see he got nine years. And then also, um, uh, yeah, so Travis's uncle, Blaine. Yes, Travis, our guest from episode 11? 10? No, 11. 11. 11, yes. <laughs> 11. He uh, he stopped me on the sidewalk, and he said he'd been, um, he listened to the, to the podcast. Uh-oh. Right? And so, and I do, it's just, it's, it's, so Carl immediately got ready for a fight. <laughs> so no, so it's a really good feedback for you. I'm not sure about me. Right? So. Ow. Well, Blaine's so, a smart man. And so that's, <laughs> actually, that's what Blaine said about you is he said, oh, you know, Steve, he's like, he's really smart. You know, he's wow. He really, you know. I've always well, liked spoken, Blaine. Right. Yeah. And he's on he's, the money. 
<laughs> I agree. <laughs> and and so said, humble, too. Yeah, I am. Like, I teach a class on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucking humble. No, but so then he says, he goes, but listening to you, it sounds like you'd, you'd help me bury a body. <laughs> and I was like, really? Is that how I go on? What? Yeah, he says, you sound like the guy that would help me bury a body. And I was like, I Look. don't even, yeah, I don't even think so. I didn't think so I either. think Steve would be more <laughs> the one to help you bury a body. <laughs> well, that depends on how soft that dirt is. I mean, I want to so, be helpful, but come on, I've got shit to do. So, you know, the family guy that I am, I was like, mm, I don't know. But maybe that's how we sound, you know. You so said, anyway, it, but what just, does that mean that you'd help him bury a body? Uh, th- maybe I knew how to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have like an Italian accent or hey, something? Hey, hey, I know what we do is good. <laughs> hey, we got this dead fuck over here. I'm going to help you bury this body. Hey, give me some fucking bricks in a bag. Let's get yeah, this shit going. Bricks in a bag. And a, and there a, it is. I think that's what it is. And a plate of spaghetti to bury this dead fuck with. Actually, that was a little it's Boston. Mike Tyson again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Mike. All right. So I just wanted to give those shout outs because uh, they're definitely um, uh, people that we have uh, come across in our in our silver pot travels. So that's All about right. it for the, our uh, personal silver shout outs. And that's it for our silver pot shout outs. No balls involved. No balls involved. <laughs> unless you shout out with them, which might hurt. So this week we've got Ellen on the show and she's going to she is going to be our very first guest that uh we're trying out a new format for our interviews. And so she's here to share her uh experience, strength and hope. Those of you who are familiar with AA will be familiar with that uh terminology. Those of you that aren't, she's just here to share a story about before sobriety, after sobriety and everything in between, not to rip off not to rip off Mr. Sabatasso. But are you ripping off Mr. Sabatasso? I did not well, mean yeah, to rip off Mr. Me. Sabatasso. <laughs> so what we have here is something you hear in AA a lot. People like to say, or actually in a lot of things of recovery, they talk about their drinking careers. And it made me think, I was like, that's kind of a funny phrase, a drinking career. So I thought our guest could come on and have a drinking and drugging career resume. And this way, what we're trying to do is sort of give equal time to the horror show that is before sobriety and then sobriety because we don't want to just leave you with a bunch of war stories if you're listening to this i'm guessing you know how to drink and how to drug and things like that but recovery that's really the focus of what we're trying to get to but it is fun to talk about all the crazy shit we did beforehand too so in that respect we've got ellen and uh we'll start out here with covering some of her general information so uh, Ellen, we'll start off with our first question for you. How many years were you active in your alcoholism and, and or addiction? 19 years. Wow. Was it fun? Um, some <laughs> of it was fun, but uh, towards the end, it wasn't fun anymore. Actually, at the very end, it wasn't fun anymore. Not till the very end. Not though. till the very end. Sounds like you gave up on it kind of quick. I guess I did. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't really speak to loyalty. Might, but, might you know, be something uh, I need to make. Note hey, of. I don't regret it though. You know, when you know, you know, right? Hey, when you know, you know. You, you know, you go. know. Okay. Hey. So, what was your favorite? Hey, what about your, in a bit. <laughs> What about your? Uh, <laughs> our, actually, we should ask our. Uh, what it, What is uh, as far as uh, your alcoholism addiction? Was it just alcoholism? Was it addiction? Um, just alcoholism. Yeah, mainly because I only smoke pot like three times in my whole life so so wait a minute so so let me get this straight (laughs) you smoke pot how many times 
Three times. Three times. In my okay. whole life, yes. Well, you know, I only did like maybe eight times or something. Every time I did, it was just terrible. But okay, so alcohol and weed, that's it? Yep. Nothing that's more? Nothing else. No pills? Nope. No, no, just no trying some mystery pill in seventh grade or anything? No, nothing like that. No. Wow. I know, so boring, right? That is an all-American alcoholic right <laughs> You know, I I used to say I just I just like the legal stuff. You know, I used to tell people, you know, I'm um, no, I'm serious. Well, I used you know, to weed is legal. Well, now, before that's true. <laughs> yeah, now it before is. Before Ellen course, and I started dating, after I get sober, before Ellen and I started dating, I had that same headline on my dating website profile. <laughs> I just like the legal, legal. stuff. It's like the legal yeah. stuff. Oh, and a big Lord. picture of me winking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. Well, we all get in a lot of legal troubles anyway. So, um, so that's it. Like, like there was no. When did you first do weed, though? What was your first thing? A weed or? or oh drink? no, it was drinking. Yeah. Definitely drinking because I had easier access to it. Um, when when so when was it? A age thirteen. Wow. Yeah. So that's I crazy. started. Oh, that's young. one of the questions. Sorry, Steve. That's okay. Let's jump right into yeah. it. I'm really messed up. The it's all right. Out. You know, I just spent time doing this, you know, during the week being depressed. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see that it just gets fucking shot to shit. Sorry, like, but you know what? Now minutes. we have another dr- uh, a drink, another question to go back to, which is what is your favorite drink? <laughs> That's true. We do. What so, was your favorite drink? Uh, Michelob Ultra. And then if I was in the mood for a stronger drink, I like the lemon drop martinis. Ooh. This is the one that like kind of throws me, though. Lemon drop martini, because, you know, I tried making, like, Long Island iced teas, uh, because I was, like, trying to, like, mix shit up, I guess, right? Because I was, like, you know, trying to be a barista at home, and uh, you could really fuck up a Long Island iced tea. Oh, yeah. And so, um, and I mean, I got so sick, and it was so damn sugary and shit. Um, so, what about, um, what is it, a lemon drop martini? Basically, it's, uh, I, I want to say it's gin and lemon juice with sugar on the rim. I, I'm guessing. Like, I'm not sure how to make it either. Like, and why lemon I was drop the worst bartender. Just the, ta- just the way it tasted? Um, yeah, it oh. tastes really sour. Oh. And then you have the sugar around the rim. So it was really, it was really good. And it, it got me wasted pretty fast. See, you know, there's a Tom Waits song that says, like, bartender, I'd like a Manhattan, please. <laughs> it's actually uh, Bette Midler, right? And uh, so I walked into a bar one day and I was like, bartender, can I have a Manhattan, please? Right. You did? Yeah, it tastes like fucking shit. <laughs> it's just the worst goddamn drink on the planet. <laughs> like, I only had one Manhattan, and that was it. The guy wasn't a Tom Waits fan. Yeah, he's not. So he did not. Yeah, of course, he probably didn't know how to make a Manhattan. I didn't even know if it was a Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> he's just. You still he's drank just, it though, right? Yeah, yeah I still. Yeah, alcohol. Fuck it. You see him just walk to. Just turns his back. Just turns his back to Carl. Starts pouring other people's leftover <laughs> drinks into the blender. Whatever. Here's your Manhattan. Here's your Manhattan. Fucking yuppie. Well, here's something to note. I mean, the reason I chose Michelob Ultra as my beer. Okay, well. Gosh, where do I start? Okay, so I got alcohol poisoning at the age of 18. Mm. So I took, um, I was at a an F finals Friday party <laughs> at college. Okay, so I thought. Does I'm the F stand for yeah, what's that stuff for again? Like you got an F grade? How, no, 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 no. You, no. you guys, you guys can, can say the no, F can word. You? Forsaken. <laughs> okay, there you go. Forsaken. Funny. <laughs> Ferdinand. How about forget finals Friday? Forensic. <laughs> Fukasha bread Friday. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Anyway, okay. yes, we will be spending the episode trying to get Ellen to swear, which I'm convinced we will be able to do. Anyway, Pro- probably, probably, probably. Yeah. probably. And we're back. Okay. So you're alcohol poisoning at age 18. And uh, after that, my stomach wouldn't tolerate hard liquor, like uh, straight up hard liquor. So I always had to have it in a mixed drink. So, of course, you know, my alcoholic brain said, hey, why don't you just do beer? So instead of, you know, drinking, stopping drinking altogether. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's stupid, right? Why would you? You know? So, you know, my brilliant idea was I'll just stick to beer. So mainly I drank beer. And then, um, so I came across Michelob Ultra because I was so proud of myself that um, my diet consisted mainly of Dr. Pepper and Michelob Ultra when I was drinking. And uh, Michelob Ultra has less calories than Dr. Pepper. And less than a can of soda. It is the healthy choice. It is the healthy choice. So it was 95 calories. And I make sure to tell that to everybody I saw at the bar. Yeah, by the way, (laughs) so when I drank beer, I had Michelob Ultra because I had a a, a person that I work with said, oh, you should try beer. Because by the way, my stomach was hurting from all the vodka. Sure. You know, so she said, you should try beer. Well, of course. Right. You know, these are alcoholic tips. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, So then how long did you drink for? How long? Uh, 19 years. So, wow. Oh. oh, yeah, we already talked about that. Sorry. That's Sorry. okay. My bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then how old were you when you got sober? The first time I was 32. The first time? The first time. The second time, I think 34. Right. Yeah, 34. How old were you the 19th time? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, luckily, I've only relapse once so i got sober at 32 i got i was sober for two years and two months and then i had the forget it syndrome and just what syndrome is that again yeah what do they normally forget call it. that again <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's just, not, this not, is a scream like if you could only hear her off of this <laughs> off of air it is it is a i have no idea what you are talking about right. so you just said that word, and then you, and then you moved on. Is that right? You yes, like to- and that. So it was. It only took one night of drinking the way I used to for me to come back to AA because it it was so bad, and it got bad right away. And it actually, I'm grateful for it because it reminded me, you know, how it was. Yeah. And um so the very next day i was back in a meeting and identifying as a newcomer so uh, sorry i didn't hear you. how long were you in meetings in before you relapsed oh um like 2 years 2 years yeah wow. 2 years yeah. and 1 month yeah yeah hmm. so okay like as you said uh it picked up like right where it left off and you've been sober now for 5 years you just celebrated last month i remember because or actually 2 months ago and I remember the one because, you forgot. Yes, I forgot. No, <laughs> oh. that is not the only birthday of yours I forgot. I also forgot your belly button birthday, I know which you was did. the next month. Right. So we, we get it. We right. did talk about this. Yeah, uh, yeah. we did. I was I'm a terrible person. Too. Well, just so you know, I've made peace with it. So <laughs> it's all it's all good. I'm good with it. Yeah. I'm totally I'm It's totally all good. Fine. I, I I forgive you. Yeah. She oh, doesn't even remember I my do. name. I know, moment. right? She doesn't oh, remember well, my name. Well, actually it was kind of funny because I just wanted to see how many days it would take before you actually remembered. And it was like ten. <laughs> and actually, technically, I didn't. Rem- I didn't remember. My mom reminded me. 
And so, then, okay, yeah. there you the go. Experiment See, kind of, that that was yeah. way better, right? She met, she messed. <laughs> well, she messed with your results. You need to blame her because then, we might not even be talking about this. You now. know she what? My empirical me. data is just blown away now. It's Ooh, gone. Look it's at gone. you, college. I know, empirical. right? Right, it's crazy. Okay, uh, okay, I need to get paid a hell of a lot more to be this therapist. So, what <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say is, all right. But anyway, like you said, that so now you've been sober for five years, and you mentioned what it was like uh, that it picked up sort of right where it left off that uh, the last time you drank. So, this will move us into a good time to talk about what it was like. And this, uh, our next section is going to be called our your disease skills and strengths. So, like, again, this is sort of like an interview for her drinking career resume. So what we've got listed here is that you were a manipulative, smooth talker. <laughs> you were obnoxious, mm-hmm. persistent, and stubborn, no. abusive. I, I did not consult Ellen on these, by the way. I just wrote them down like a couple minutes before no, we seriously, started. Seriously, is this, is this, were you a part of this, Ellen? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this oh, is yeah. your list. <laughs> yeah. no, this is my no, list. I asked oh, wow. her. Yeah. So anyway, so she persistent and stubborn, uh, abusive relationships with a bad picker, playing the victim, no Obviously. coping skills, avoiding responsibility, uh, is a runner and anger. Oh, so man. which one of these, if you could pick the strongest one, which one jumps out at you is to say that is my disease at its apex right there. That's the quality that describes my alcoholism in a nutshell. Oh, there's so many to pick from. You and are they're pretty fun. And they're all... <laughs> Nightmare. And they're all my favorite. <laughs> which yes. one will it be? <laughs> I know. Ding, ding, ding. No. Um, this is like when I do my when I do my monthly stay with Ellen or not list. This is the con <laughs> side, and then the pro side says literally no one else will have me. So yeah. you win. Takes care of Yay. dog. Takes care of cat. I, I guess that makes two of us. <laughs> That's true. Hey, you know what? Love by default feels just as sweet. It's Ooh. so nice. So I've told. Hey now. So. Yeah, which which one which one is it? Yeah, so which, which one would you? Pick? I would say anger because that kind of encompasses everything else on there. Um, everything started with anger and ended with anger. Anger is my favorite favorite emotion, even today in sobriety. I just I don't know what it is. I just love to be angry. So off the top of your head, what is a great example or story back when you were out drinking that shows that anger? Oh. Gosh, where do I begin? Story time. Story time with kids. Story time with kids, Ellen. Story time with Ellen, kids. Gather around. Yay! But you better be quiet. You don't want to see her when she's mad. (laughs) (laughs) Homie, don't play that. (laughs) Hey, kids, can I sit by you? No, Pink Cloud. We have a restraining order. You cannot be here. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead, Ellen. Okay, well, one story that sticks out is uh, it was Christmas time, and um, uh, I was with my ex, and uh, we really didn't have anywhere to go. I can't imagine why, you know, such a drinking person. And uh, he had a friend that really nicely invited us to a Christmas get-together you know, her family was going to be there, her grandma, like her, um, you know, her mom, siblings, and several friends. So we were all there, and of course, you know, I had a drink from this, you know, actually before we left, just every second um, during that party. And for some reason, well, 
we started to play charades. Okay, and I'm I'm a tad bit competitive, so uh, for some reason I felt like the boys were cheating because it was boys against girls. You probably were. Yeah. yeah, I know, and so. <laughs> I was super mad and I actually got up on the table and pointed at the boys and I said, you guys are effing cheating. I can't believe this. You know, this game is rigged. I'm tired of this. You know, you said this and you said that and you said that and it's inconsistent and blah, blah, blah. I was just going on and on and on. Well, my ex had to like pull me off of the table and like take me outside. And he was like, um, I think we're ready to go. And I said, what do you mean? Why are we ready to go? I'm just having a good time here. What are you talking about? Like, I really didn't get it. I didn't get it. I'm just ripping assholes left and right in there. Having a great time. It's Christmas. What the fuck? Yeah, right. You know, her grandma's in the room and I'm cussing up a store. And like, you, you hear, know. Like faint, faintly in the background. In the Grandma was in the room. Faintly in the background you hear, it's the most wonderful, wonderful time, time of the year. What do you fucking mean we have to go, you piece of shit? <laughs> so needless to say, you know, Christmas evening was cut short as were many evenings yeah. um yeah so, based- so how many deep were you do you think uh like oh, drinking i don't remember probably thir- you, 13 you or- just showed up and started whatever. Yeah. yeah whatever yeah. like i imagine you weren't picky like you got there if they didn't have Michelob Ultra, oh, you're, just gonna, you're just gonna take whatever whatever they had whatever okay. they had I'm really not- would have messed with her calorie count but nah, i'm sure, pretty yeah. sure she was good with it yeah well <laughs> i mean i would just not eat food and yeah. then that would make up for totally. the calories yeah because, I mean, it doesn't matter how many calories is in your beer. If you drink, like, 12 beers a day, I mean, that's, like, at least 1,200 calories. So you're just kind of, you know, messed up anyway. So. And, kids, that's your math lesson for there the day. There you go. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks for the story, Ellen. <laughs> so, like, but in, in your mind, do you remember when you're out there talking to your boyfriend at the time, is it even going through your head that what you just did is, like, Gonna make a whole room full of people uncomfortable? No. No. Like in your mind, you're like, what? That's just what you do. That's, That's- just how I am. Like they need to accept that and deal with it. You so know? you would have walked right back in there like nothing happened, right. no big deal. Let's keep playing. Absolutely. Wow. Until the next time I got mad. And Are then- you getting mad thinking about that game right now? Um, not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the boys were cheating. Let's just be fair. Let's just be fair here. The boys were fucking cheating. How I mean, many, I spent many, a lot of time in my many, drinking career apologizing to people the next day because it was always the next day that I woke minute, up. So you actually apologized. The I next did. Day. See, I was not. I didn't do that. Yeah, I, I no, I did because I felt bad. Yeah. You know. Well, but you the apolog- problem is they would never invite me again. I don't know why. You know, people see my anger and they just they freak out. I mean, I I. You know, the, knowing you in sobriety, it really is kind of hard to see you, like to hear that because you're kind of like. Well, that's not Ellen I know, right? <laughs> oh, that's, it's, that's, so, it's, yeah. so, it's so, it's so is. Don't, you don't. Know. That is the Stop Ellen, shaking your head, that Steven. That is the Ellen I know and love. Oh, my God. She is just a pint-sized ball of hatred. Like, everything. It is so incredible. Because for our listeners that don't know, I, I, I won't describe her very in very much detail, but Ellen is not what you would call a large person. She's, she's very petite. And so when you, it's sort of just like a, a chihuahua that thinks the 300 pounds, like the no, mouth see, on her at there times There are people in incredible. this world that are very petite, but always appear large no matter what, right? 
And I think she's probably one of those people, right? She, she appears bigger than what she is. I'm bigger than Always. life, baby. That's right. See? Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say my <laughs> girlfriend appears larger than she is because I'm sure that's not going to lead to a fucking fist fight after this is over. <laughs> I mean... Well, okay, Not so physically. we were talking about nicknames, and it just reminded me of a nickname. Um, one of my exes had a nickname for me, which was Firecracker. Mm. I can't imagine why, you know? <laughs> and then um, my uh, my brother would say that I, whenever I drank, I was 10 foot tall and bur- bulletproof. Yeah. Because I would, I would t- go up and talk to anybody and talk crap to them and get them angry. In fact, that was my favorite thing to do is provoke people. Yeah. It was so awesome. Get them fighting. You know, if two guys were talking to me, I'd love to like, you know, uh, like pit them against each other and then just walk out, have a cigarette and just watch the chaos. It was just beautiful. I just loved it. I don't know what's wrong with me, but. (laughs) She had like the Roman Empress robe to walk around in. That's it was amazing. terrible. It was terrible. So that, it wasn't, that was the manipulative part. Well, so it, thumbs so it, up and thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just your it wasn't just you being mad. You liked other people to be mad. Oh yeah. Because you. I wanted other people to feel what I felt inside. Because yeah. wow. because, you know, if the, I don't know, maybe in some way it justified my drinking. I don't know. I wanted I just I don't know. No, well, you know, for me it's always been about the chaos. Like it's all it's like it's wonderful. Like you know, doesn't matter if I'm drinking or not. Like you know, I it's uh, actually I was just talking about this with a guy the other day. Uh, if you're listening, uh, it, it's a uh, I, I love blowing shit up when I'm bored. When nothing else is going <laughs> the fuck on, right? You know, you I need mean, that thrill in your yeah, head. Yeah, I yes, just need yeah. like if, if everything's been great for a very long time, I'm like I'm like it's uncomfortable. I, I feel like I started some shit. <laughs> yeah. Know? So yeah, it does. It does happen, and that you know, I needing attention. I need you know all these other things, right? <laughs> you know, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. So, so I get it. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've touched on anger, what uh, what other of your disease skills and strengths? What what's another one you feel is worth mention? Hmm. There are so many. I just love them all. Um, <laughs> and for you listeners, like it's it's pretty obvious. Like Ellen's got a lot of great stories, and like most people in sobriety, like there's a lot of very interesting things to get into here. But just in the interest of also including the recovery part, which is also you know, very interesting and very important. We're just going to try to hone in on the highlights. So what's our next highlight of yours, Ellen? Uh, probably the no coping skills. Ooh, no so coping skills. So not only was uh, was or is am I angry, <laughs> can't even say it right. Um, you can't, I just, you I, can't put anger in the past tense with you with a straight no, face. No, no, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't lie to <laughs> these lovely listeners out there. They're scumbags. <laughs> they know it. Aww. All of them. No. You're all miserable. Degenerates. Degenerates. <laughs> Look what you're listening Degenerates to. Degenerates like me. This fucking <laughs> filth. God. <laughs> I listen to me because I'm around me all the time. You have a choice. <laughs> you should turn this shit off right now. <laughs> if only I that could. One guy in Nova Scotia. <laughs> that one guy in <laughs> Pansatucky. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry, Ellen. Uh, so no coping skills whatsoever. Uh, alcohol was the solution to every emotion that I had. So um, the biggest example is, well, okay, so I was quote unquote functional alcoholic, meaning I kept my job while I was drinking. Um, I don't know how, looking back, but I did. And um, 
what I would do is, you know, I get off at six o'clock every evening, and no matter what happened, you know, if, if this was Travis, I would have, I would have said, "When did you get off after?" You know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making sure we yeah, knew that. I just just wanted to say. <laughs> so it was very specific because you know that was my time where okay you know I'm done with the work day you know people call me the b word the c word at work you know it's it's just craziness all right where I work I won't tell you where that is but okay anyway so um, daycare yeah sure that's that's good. Um, you got three, three-year-olds calling me the B word, <laughs> the C word, the F word. Anyway. It happens. <laughs> it's true. Those would be like the coolest kids ever anyway. But anyway, I digress. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, go, wh- this is coming from an 11-year-old aunt <laughs> who would teach her nephew to say the F word to grandma. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So, um... You know, no matter what happened that day, it was I I couldn't wait to get home and crack open that first Michelob Ultra and just guzzle it down. Gluck, 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 gluck. And it was a pathetic existence because, you know, uh, during the work week, I would just um, go to work, you know, hungover, obviously, and then... Um, Go home as fast as I could. I couldn't even stop by the grocery store. I had to go through that drive-through liquor store, and it, <laughs> I was there so much that the Indian guy that ran it, he was like, <laughs> he was like, please, please take care of yourself. Please, please take care of yourself. Because I would order like a carton of cigarettes and like you know a case of beer <laughs> like every day <laughs> or every other day, and uh, he would be like all worried, and I. I I would just look at him like, "What's your problem?" Like, I don't understand. And it just doesn't compute. Young young lady, your your mo- your money it's covered in so much blood. <laughs> oh my God, so horrible. So where do all these cigarettes go so fast? <laughs> I don't even know what accent that is. I don't think that's Indian anymore. Anyway, continue. Probably mine isn't either. But um, so I get home as I fast as I could. Too, so I, I get- like to- <laughs> Man, that first cold beer, and then the second, the third, the fourth, you know, God knows how many, ten or whatever, until I would just pass out at night, and then I wake up hungover, go to work, do it all over again. Mm. And then on weekends, it was extra, you know, because all the stuff that built up over the week that I was mad about, that I was trying to drink at, you know, it would pile up for the weekend, and that was the most pathetic time, because I wouldn't even leave my house. Um, I wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't even bother to like get out of my pajamas or shower sometimes, which was disgusting. Um, I would prop myself on my couch and watch TV and drink and drunk dial and just, you know, just pass out in and out of the day until I would would kill for one of those recordings right now. (laughs) Like recording of your drug dial. Oh gosh! <laughs> I'm sure. Well, they're very angry. I could tell you that. Yeah, she certainly wasn't stopping herself and saying the f word when that came. Oh, out. Sh- please. Much more explicit. So anyway, yeah, I just I didn't have any coping skills. I didn't know. Gosh, I don't even know how to say it. I I whatever emotion it was, anger. Even when I was happy, then I had to celebrate with a drink. If I was depressed, I had to drink it away. If It didn't matter what it was. 
That was my coping skill was alcohol. It's amazing how like limited in terms of emotionally limited that we become. Like I said, you know, I drank for 15 years and, and, you know, in the end it's like, you know, that emotion, I don't want to deal with that. Like I'll drink, right. you know, I'll drink through that, you know. And then, you know, at the end, like that's what you end up with, right? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm either happy or angry, right? You know, right. It's like, I'm like, I can handle these two and these two, all, <laughs> everything else in between is just fucked. Because I felt, you know, I was, I was just thinking that too of like back during that time when I was drinking, I was like, I don't even know if it was an emotional range. It was just either nothing or mad. Yeah. Oh well. Uh. So how do you think? So how's uh? So how's sobriety made a difference in your coping mechanisms and your ability to cope? Um. Amazingly. Oh, that was the thing I was gonna say because you know, they they say in the rooms that you know the age you started drinking is the age you stop maturing, mm-hmm. and I really believe that because I started drinking at thirteen, and. My coping skills when I came into sobriety were probably that of a 13-year-old, I would say. Mm-hmm. Just pretty much non-existent. <laughs> you know, just reacting to everything. No no response, just reacting to everything. Reacting to something somebody said. Or not even if they said it uh, meanly to me, but I always took it that way. So I always took things real personal. And um, But by the time, you know, I got sober... Uh, I was that 13 year old again and I had to be, but I had to go to work and be an adult. So it was really kind of a strange universe for me. And, um, my sponsor helped out a lot. Like AA helped out a lot. I lived in the rooms for like the first year. I mean, I was there after work every day. I mean, I norm, I would leave work for work like at six thirty in the morning and then I get off at five or six and then I would go to a meeting at night and I wouldn't get home till like nine thirty or 10 um, because so, I go. Yeah, uh, part of me in the, in the rooms, right? You know, it was like we kind of all start out, you know, like just get involved and get in, in, get in there. Right. And then the other thing for me is like, I, I felt exactly the same way, you know, and uh, you know, whatever the age range was. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the fact is, it's like I, I got to practice with people in AA actually and true and that's like you know one of the better things for me is that I actually got to like you know I mean it's like I don't know I just got to like try on emotions in that way and I don't know if anybody else does the same stuff but I know that that's what I did for at least the first year is I just sitting in the ribs or talking to people on the sidewalk or whatever I mean just basic communication like that was kind of what I needed to do but I needed to do it without you know I need to to talk about me right because i didn't even know who i was you know and and being presented with new engagements right you know was somebody actually upset at me i don't know (laughs) know, but you know what i mean like but i had to go with that you know and it's just a safe place to do that kind of stuff it's a safe place to practice like basically building that emotional range right it's definitely safe because everybody in the room understands yeah they understand, you know, what it's like to be stuck or angry or sad, and and they don't hold it against you. It's uh, it's like the most amazing unconditional love. Except those old guys, they like to hold a lot against you. <laughs> hey now, hey now, hey, hey now. newcomer, you like secrets? <laughs> Let me tell you about the thirteenth step again. <laughs> so there was something you said actually a minute ago that I'm hoping you could elaborate on because it's a very it's a really important point, and I haven't heard it in a long time. 
You talked about the difference between responding and reacting. Oh, yes. Could you go into that a little bit more for uh, maybe those of our listeners that may not be familiar with the, that concept? Okay, so reacting means uh, usually it's a split second thing, like your first first thing that you want to react to like emotionally. Reacting is also always emotional. Responding is all, always logical. So if you're reacting to something, you are just being totally emotional about it and you're just going with the first emotion. When you respond to something, you actually take a pause and you think about it in a logical way before you say anything or do anything. Well, this you makes know? total sense. Now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so even if you say, um, let me think about that for a minute, you know. Um, before I was, I was a firecracker, you know, I was just go off at anything at any time and it was just unpredictable. It well, scared even, people. <laughs> even, even firecrackers have fuses. That's true. Oh you, my God. You were the firecracker <laughs> if they just threw the whole packet into a bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> love you, honey. I love you too. <laughs> Get a room. See, and this 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 is somebody who's in my corner. Okay, I am. <laughs> he Keeping is. You he honest. is. He is. <laughs> uh, he's more like your cut man, right? That's right. I'd be a terrible boxing coach. I'd be like, "Yep, that's what happened." <laughs> Should have put your hands up. <laughs> yep, you got yourself an old time. You got a real punchable face tonight. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most punchable face I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, now that we've touched on your disease, uh, skills and strengths, are there any sort of related experiences, any other additional stories you have or any, any things about your, uh, time when you're out there drinking that you, that you think are worth mentioning? Well, actually, yeah, there is, um, well, there's a lot of things, but I'll start with, uh, something that I've heard before and it describes me in a basically an attention whore with social anxiety. So I had this huge <laughs> ego. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Just, you said whore again. <laughs> Got Carl's attention. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had this huge ego and I always had to be, I always had to be the best, you know, wherever I was, you know, I have, if I went into a bar, I had to be the thinnest. If I wasn't the thinnest girl, I had to be the prettiest. If I wasn't the prettiest girl, then I had to be the most obnoxious. So any way I could, I would get that attention. It didn't matter if it was negative, positive, whatever. So I think that fed into my drinking because, you know, I would kind of justify, well, I need a drink to loosen up and, you know, be funny or do whatever, perform or whatever I had to do to, to feel better about myself because I felt less than. Um... So I think a lot of people can definitely relate to that. Yeah, with having to put on, I can't just go in and organically let conversation or attention come to me through interaction. I've got to do something that displays me. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise I won't get any attention. And right. that's, we talked about this in a couple episodes back, which is like lying. Like, you know, lying was like one of the ways that I would appear bigger or whatever. But. Fuck, I miss lying. <laughs> God, it was so easy to be interesting when I could lie. Yeah. It was so easy. I made up such ridiculous shit like all the time. I miss it so much. Well, you know, there's, I mean, it's also exaggerated. Like the truth, Sub like to a certain sobriety degree. Sobriety is stupid. That's part of it's like, you know, I was, I was like job titles, like everybody like, you know, 
Like, what do you do? Like, I can always throw out some big old ass title about something. But Rockstar uh, astronaut. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's all right. We didn't believe you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> still don't. Still don't. <laughs> Actually, no, I still don't know what Carl does for a living. Anyone that remembers titles. Yeah. Anyone that remembers back to uh, my first episode with him, uh, that <laughs> I still have no idea what Carl does for a living. I don't either. Yeah. Doesn't need to. The paychecks keep coming. They just keep coming. So, all right. So now that we've covered that with your disease skills and strengths and that additional thing about the ego and drawing attention to yourself, what led you to sobriety? How did, how did we get here? What was the beginning of the end? This well, is the end. <laughs> the <laughs> end. My only friend. <laughs> My balls. Ah, balls again. <laughs> balls again. Ellen balls says it like she's again. seen them before. Balls again. Balls again. <laughs> anyway, uh, imagine. So, anyway. I will set the stage for my bottom. So hey, it, now. It, <laughs> this is a family-friendly show. Uh huh. It's really not. Yeah. If you're if you're listening to this with your family, you really need yeah, help. Yeah. <laughs> as long as Steve's on it, it's Let's not going to be family-friendly. <laughs> Just kidding, honey. Anyway, but Harry no, Harry mean balls. Yeah, that's that's why. So family friendly. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, you were saying about this uh de- this devastating event. Okay, so I'll set the stage. You know, I was at this uh, wonderful place in Arizona called Golden Valley. Now, this is the place that the not so affluent go to party instead of Havasu. So there's a bunch. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with Golden Valley. If you're from there, particularly. If you're one of our it's gorgeous. listeners, yes, it's wonderful. No. Yes. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and there's trailer parks as far as the eye can see. <laughs> so this is just not just that for there's a, anything wrong with trailer parks. No, no, just, not just at for, all. Just not for our uh, our listeners, <clears throat> what's what's your uh, ethnicity? What? Your ethnicity mentioning trailer parks? I declined, parks? Oh, I declined to respond. I just <laughs> I just think it's relevant when she mentions the tra- trailer parks and a- Arizona. I'm just merely stating a demographic something. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Anyway. What you're saying is she fits a stereotype that is really conditional of trailer parks. White trash. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Yes. But because you're as lovely as you are, it's white trash that has a very nice compactor. Um, Not sure, just sitting idly in the open air in a plastic bin from Target. So she's white compact. Because you've never had yes. experience with that. No right? white petite trash. <laughs> anyway, so I'm there with my ex and um, several companions, I guess. Um, and you know, it's drinking and boating, drinking and boating all you know the whole weekend, and. I think I actually did some tequila too, which is a big no-no for me because, as you know, I got alcohol poisoning from it, so it makes me extra crazy. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I was there, and uh, I'll I'll have to step back to tell this story. So, I grew up in a home that was, um, mm, let's say, not the most stable, maybe a little bit violent. And, you know, I told myself growing up, I'm never going to end up like that. I'm never going to let somebody do that to me. I'm never, ever, no, you know, use the word never, right? So anyway, I'm 
here I am in Golden Valley, and um, I'm actually with my best friend and um, and my ex. And something happened. Got in a disagreement about something. Imagine that. You know, it's probably, I don't know, 20, 20 drinks in or whatever. I mean, and uh, probably something to do with me wanting to seek attention and who knows. Being so, angry. Being angry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that too. And uh, so um, I think I basically tell him that I'm going to throw myself in front of a car, the next car that came down the street, and kill myself. You know, because if nothing else worked, you know, that would get people's attention, right? <laughs> so Like you do. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's how I roll. So, <laughs> so anyway, he's trying to physically restrain me. And in the in the process of that, you know, um, I get angry, so I start, you know, I don't know. We just start getting into a physical altercation, you know. Who knows who hit who, whatever. I was so drunk, it didn't matter, you know. I just remember him pushing me into a fence, and then my um, my friend's boyfriend at the time, and actually his friend. Came up and uh, I'm sorry, the dog's looking water. I know water the dog's drinking water. <laughs> just, the sound effects are gonna be. I'm sorry, people. But this is <laughs> the boat. Yeah, the the water um, soundtrack was a little off. Cupcake, that, thank you very that much. That was Cupcake's contribution. Yeah, you know, Cupcake, that really would have fit better during the alcohol poisoning story. <laughs> when we mentioned the whore, you could have yeah. really come in. God, she's Cue new. It's her first day. I told you we should have hired a person for Foley, not a dog. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Ellie. Sorry. No, sorry. it's it's all good. It's all so, good. So you're about to get thrown in front of a car, or hold back from? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm getting beaten up basically. Okay. He's, oh, sorry, he's, he's, he's starting to wail on me now, and uh, or you know grab me and stuff like that so uh a couple guys jump in and start you know pushing him around so they pulled him off of me and they start pushing him around well he uh he's super drunk too he gets in his car and he speeds off now this is like my only ride out of arizona so i'm thinking oh okay well maybe he'll come back you know maybe he'll just blow off steam and then you know drive around the neighborhood or the park or whatever and then come back but um for some reason i had the brilliant idea well i'm i'm gonna go find him i'm gonna go chase him you know because i'm not done with this argument yet right and then so you know my friends are trying to tell me don't no it's dark you know don't go out there and you don't know where he's going and you know and my drunk mind it doesn't matter because i'm ellen and i'm smart and i can do this and i know and whatever nobody could tell me anything so here I am um, in Golden Valley. It's two in the morning, probably 90 degrees. I'm wearing a bikini top and a short jean skirt. Running around a trailer park. Right, running around yeah. a trail, trailer oh, park. Oh, man. Okay. I'd be like running I, around like trying to put a ring on your finger. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, have my, I have my backpack, you know, and... Um, so I'm exiting the trailer park and I'm actually walking out towards the highway because um, 
I don't know why. I was just I was like, you know what? I just want to get get out of here. So I I know that there are hotels like, you know, if I go to the highway, make a right. So that's what I did. So I'm going out to the highway. It's Highway 95, and this is like deserted highway. I mean, there's long stretches stretches of desert. There's no businesses. There's nothing. So here I am. <laughs> Walking in my outfit at two in the morning on the side of the highway in the dirt, going towards some hotels that I think are close. And then um, this lovely cop pulls over. <laughs> he gets out of the car and, you know, he gets my attention and um, says, Hey, you know, what are you doing out here? And I told him, Well, I'm walking. Is there a law against that? You know, because I have to be sassy with him, too. And he says, well, no, but, you know, I can't have you walking out here, you know, by yourself. It's kind of dangerous. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to leave a bad situation, is what I told him. And uh, he asked me that famous question, have you been drinking? And I said, no, sir, I have not. <laughs> two beers, officer, two See, beers. See, I don't even do the two beers no, thing. That's, you're dead in the water if you say two beers. You're dead. I always said two beers. You, you know, you just, you got a straight out lie, right? So even though my eyes were bloodshot, I probably looked horrible, right? And, um, uh, and he, you know, he didn't challenge me on that because I don't think he wanted to know the answer because then he would have to arrest me for public intoxication. Because, you know, cops are nice sometimes, right? I don't know. But, um, so, uh, I said, well, uh, what is the problem here? I'm just walking and I'm getting away from a bad situation. Um, and he said, well, first of all, you're walking on the wrong side of the street. And I thought in my head, oh, man, you know, all those DUI commercials I listened to and my brother, you know, his experience with those. I knew that if they have probable cause, they can arrest you. So me walking on the wrong side of the street, that is actually probable cause. So I was like, oh, man. And he asked for my ID. And I, you know, so I stopped challenging him. I gave him my ID and I told him, you know, he, I said, why do you need my ID? And he said, well, I just want to make sure you don't have any warrants. And I told him, well, if I have warrants, I want to know about it. And so he went back to the car, checked, said I had no warrants. And so I'm like, okay, see you later. And he was like, well, I can't have you walking out here in the, the dark, you know, or whatever. And I just shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, why is he tripping? I don't understand these people that trip about stuff like, you know, safety and, you know, whatever. So um, he said, I'll tell you what. He, I, he said, where are you going anyway? And I said, well, I'm going to a, a hotel. He said, well, you do realize that the hotels are on the California side and they're 10 miles away. And I said, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I can walk 10 miles in my sleep, you know. So uh, he uh, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a ride. And I was like, all right, sure, why not? You know, it's like every other stranger that I've gotten a ride from when I drink. It's amazing that I haven't ended up in a ditch. Um, but the strangest thing happened. So I had a moment of clarity, actually, when he pushed my head down, you know, under the, to put me in the car. Yeah. 
that had I've never experienced that. I mean, I was straight A student. I've never gotten in trouble. Um, for some reason, I've always gotten by with drinking and driving. And uh, for some reason, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And so he closes the door. I always got to check if it's locked. It's locked. And um, he gets in, and now I'm now I'm panicking because I'm like, okay, I don't know this guy. He might be taking me to jail right now. He might be taking me, who, God knows where, because it's a deserted desert. I mean, he could do a number of things. And so now I'm really, like, kind of panicking. Um, I don't know why I always panic after I get into these situations. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're 10 foot tall before. Yeah, bulletproof, right? Yeah, so... Um, so... He's driving me, and he did actually drop me off at a hotel. I got out, and then the clerk is like, oh, we don't have any vacancies. You know, when you get dropped off, just so you know, when you get dropped off by a cop at a hotel, yeah. they, they won't have any vacancies. <laughs> oh, we Luckily. just filled up. Oh, your last one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Luckily, there was a motel across the street. And then, so I paid the money, I checked in, and I'm laying there in this crappy motel, and... My phone battery is about to die. Nobody knows where I'm at because I just deserted the trailer I was staying at. And, you know, my friends were trying to keep me there, but they couldn't. So once my phone battery dies, I'm really SOL. And uh, that, that other, that clarity came back and said, wow, you know, you better call somebody to pick you up. You better. So I called my friend, my best friend. <laughs> They drove, you know, the 10 miles or whatever to pick me up. And they're like, how did you get out here? <laughs> I said, well, you know, it's a long story as usual with me. And um, my best friend actually looked at me and said, you know, um, I'm going to Al-Anon because of you. And I knew what that was. And I was like, oh, and this is my best friend of like 20 years. And that really hit me hard because... Up until that point, I thought, what's people's problems? Because I'm just hurting myself, and you guys can hit the door if you don't like it, you know? Um, and Al-Anon, for any of you out there that may not know, Al-Anon is a 12-step support group for family and friends affected by uh, alcoholism. Or in this case, it's she would call it Al-Anon. Al-Anon, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you were a monster. <laughs> So was anyway. that kind or necessary, Steve? Hey, I said was. <laughs> That's pretty padded, if you ask me. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so, so you know, she's like telling me how my behavior is affecting her and not in a good way. And so they all leave me alone and go in, you know, to the trailer to go to sleep because they're, you know, they're tired of me. And I'm sitting out in the patio. I'm looking around, you know, the table's overturned, the beer bottles are broken all over, and that was my wreckage, right? And um, I, I just couldn't stand anymore. So I actually laid down on the cement. And um, all I could think or say was, Please, God, help me. And that's when everything changed. Um, that was what we call the spiritual awakening for me. 
it happened very sudden for me. The next morning I got up and I actually looked at my arms and my legs. They were all bruised up. So this fight I got in was pretty crazy because I was, I had bruises all over the place. And um, were, you, were you sore? Did it hurt physically or was it just? No, it didn't hurt, but hmm. I don't, no, I don't think it hurt, but it just, uh, it was just. But you could tell not by pleasant. looking at you, clearly there had been a physical. Oh, yeah. The, it, was, it was just not pleasant to look at, you know? Mm -hmm. You're just all bruised up. Like, like, yeah. Um, so, so. So she has a spiritual awakening. Yes. And you're like, how are you feeling physically? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's talk about the spiritual part again. Okay, so. so um, the spirit. Sorry, Steve. No, no, know. it's all she good. She mentioned that she looked like she'd gotten her ass beat. So I'm yeah, like, right. Well, I mean, awakening. This is like, this is like, you know. Okay, fine. Did your spirit feel like it was got its ass kicked? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was already spiritually <laughs> bankrupt and emotionally bankrupt at that point. Um, so. So what the was next, different? Well, okay, so the next morning, because of habit, you know, they said, hey, anybody want uh, eye-openers? Eye-openers is like vodka and grapefruit juice. You know, that's the yeah. Bloody Mary or whatever. Screwdriver. And I said, you know, out of habit, I was like, yeah, sure. So I have the drink in my hand, and I take a sip, and an amazing thing happened. I just put it down. I didn't finish it. Like I normally would. Normally I'd ask for seconds, thirds, fourths, however many I could get before I head back home. But I didn't. And and then later on, I got this um, thought in my head. Uh, it could be described as a voice as well. Um, but it was my voice telling me. And I know it wasn't from me because I would never think this. But the voice was saying... Why don't you try stopping drinking? Because up until that point, I didn't even think that that was my problem. You know, I thought all these other people were my problem. Um, alcohol was my solution to dealing with all these people and all these, you know, just life. Um, so stopping that would be be like, I don't know, just it wouldn't make sense. Madness, I say. Madness. <laughs> so now I have a new idea. I have no idea how to implement it, okay? So, but I, I, you know, being stubborn as I am, I was like, you know what, I can do that. I can definitely do that. So I made a conscious effort to do that, and I made it 30 days um, before I went pretty crazy. I mean, I was getting cravings and all that, but um, I was able to manage for about 30 days and I don't know, something bad at work happened and I'm driving on my way home and you know my little habit. So um, the habit is go through the liquor store and get a drink. And but the another side of me that I never heard or dealt with before just said, you know, just didn't want to drink anymore. Um, within three days of four days of being sober, I felt amazing. I felt like physically better. I felt like I could breathe more. I, it was weird. Um, I didn't realize how much alcohol had destroyed my body. But anyway, so here I am 30 days in, and um, 
I I had this intuition that was like, okay, Ellen, if you go home, you're going to drink because there's beer in that fridge. So what I did was um, I pulled over in a parking lot because I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't go home and I surely wasn't going to go back to work. So I'm sitting there. Um, I don't have a support system because all my all my friends drink so they wouldn't understand what was going on and then I remembered that my best friend her her father would talk about you know being sober for 20 years or whatever like I didn't really under, understand what that meant but for some reason it clicked and I thought well I'll call him because I think he knows what to do. Maybe he knows what to do. I'll get an idea. So I called him and it was like, it was like he was waiting for my call. Like he, he knew what I was before I, I was. And, um, he handed the phone to a lady in the program who, uh, coached me to my first meeting, my first AA meeting. And, um, I feel like this was definitely a God shot because, I'm the kind of person that I, if I go into a new situation, I want to know, I want to know what I'm walking into, you know, how long it is, like just all kinds of details, right? And this lady, without even me asking, she's like, okay, so the first thing you do is I'll find you an AA meeting. You're going to show up, you're going to grab some coffee, you're going to sit down when they, you know go around the room and introduce yourself. You're going to say, my name's Annette Ellen, I'm alcoholic. And you, and when they ask for newcomers, you're going to say you're a newcomer. She says, they love newcomers. <laughs> so Fresh newcomers. <laughs> yes. More, please. I'll roll up against you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to tell you a secret. So, um... <laughs> So I went to the meeting. I was like 30 minutes late because, you know, I don't know. The calendar was wrong. You're not going. Right. That's that's how I roll, right? Yeah. Things are a little chaotic at this time. A little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. And I sat down and I couldn't believe what I saw because in my mind I thought, you know, oh, we're going to be sitting in a circle. It's going to be all these depressing people because they can't drink anymore. I mean, I'm depressed that I can't drink anymore. So everybody else must be depressed that they can't drink anymore, right? Naturally. It's all about my universe here. And, um, but uh, it was actually the opposite. People were laughing. They were hugging. They were joyful. And I was like, what is this? It was just like a strange alien universe to me. And uh, so I was very intrigued and I stuck around. And um, uh, all I knew uh, was after that first meeting, I didn't want to drink anymore. So just for that day, I didn't want to drink. So I went home, I went to sleep, and then I woke up, you know, with the cravings again, um, went through work, and then got went to another meeting that night, you know, and then it just started from there. Like every day I go to a meeting, the more things I heard, you know, get a sponsor, read the book, um, do the steps, I did all those things. And that's what I attribute to my success in sobriety. But more than anything is my spiritual connection. So it didn't happen right away, even though God granted me the grace um, and granted me a whole new Can I ask a question? Network. Sorry, sure. I like to interrupt because that's sure. my job. Sure. Uh, so, you, so you have a spiritual awakening, right? Yes. Back in Arizona. Right. Right. You make it back home. You ask for help. 
You get into meetings. And so but this spiritual awakening didn't really carry you that whole way, though, did it? I mean, really. Because, I mean, you're saying, it, you know what I mean? It's like maybe you were invigorated by it, but it, it, it really didn't. That that one thing is not going to carry you. Well, no. I mean, you you have to you have to put work into it, you know. Um, so does, God did it, did it, did God it opened the door, but I had to walk in. Yeah. You know. So, so did that feeling leave you basically? Um, so. it it leaves me, and it it comes and goes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think it came for the purpose of you know awakening me, getting to, you to seek help. Yeah, yeah, giving giving me to seek help which is something I normally wouldn't do. I could always solve things on my own. Um, Gives me new ideas and stuff like that. And then, um, so I'm going along, but when I go back to my own will and try to do things my way, that's when God kind of gently reminds me, hey, you do have people out there. There's friends out there. There's support. And even though I didn't have the support, he opened the door so that I would. And this is this is a perfect spot to interject with this. So now we know the story of the infamous Arizona story, hitting bottom, getting uh, back here to California, and then getting into an actual sobriety program after what'd you say, thirty days, thirty yes. sixty days, something yes. like that. So then you're now you're an Alcoholics Anonymous. That's how you got sober, and this brings us to. Since we can't cover, obviously, you know, for our listeners, you can tell how difficult it is to cover so much of someone's story within the amount of time we try to do it. So we want to let our guests have a chance to focus on what part of sobriety they feel is essential to them. And Ellen has chosen the topic of, or I'm sorry, has chosen the topic of spiritual growth and sobriety. And what would you like to say about that? What would you like to say about spiritual growth? What do you think is absolutely critical for people to know about that? Uh, basically, you know, don't give up, you know, keep trying. If, you know, if you're uncomfortable with praying, just keep trying it. Um, you can do meditation. Uh, you could go to churches. If you don't like one church, you could go to several. Um, it took me a while to get back into church, uh, because I was raised religious. So, um, and it didn't really happen until, um, a traumatic event. Okay. So, you know, the traumatic event was my ex leaving me. He abandoned me like at eight months sober. All right. Imagine. And then like a few months before that, one of my very good friends died. One, you know, one that I partied with a lot. We went to Vegas together a lot. Um, so the first eight months of sobriety was not pretty. It was not fun. And, uh, so when he left me, um, that was kind of like another addiction that I wasn't dealing with, that I wasn't coping with. So after he left, there was this huge void in my life. And the only way that um, that void could be filled was with God. God is the only one big enough to fill that void. Um, so then I slowly started going to church and I would cry at every, every Sunday, man. I would cry. Um, it was, it was really harrowing, you know, but Keep in mind, I didn't have any coping skills, so um, this was actually a positive way for me to get my emotions out and to deal with things in a setting where there's all this spirituality around you and there's all these supportive people around you, right? Um, and then it was like probably another year before I, I became baptized and really got into it. I mean, I just came back from a mission trip in Africa. So, I mean, 
spiritual growth is amazing, but it it doesn't happen overnight. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta um, work work at it. You know, uh, God always says he he seeks those who seek after him. I'm totally quoting that wrong. So if you make the effort to seek him and seek that spirituality, he will open the door. He will come to you. So um, that's that's basically how I feel like, you know, somebody should start their spiritual growth. Just, you know, start with any small thing. Doesn't matter what it is. You know, I was a huge atheist, right? Before getting sober. I mean, I really, and I, you knew me yes. back in the oh, yeah. day as well, right? So that's part of it. It's like, I really do agree in terms of uh, meditation and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's where I actually found a, a better like that voice Connection. inside my head. Yeah. And we, we talked about this actually a long time ago. I don't even know if you remember or not. I but don't. We were, <laughs> we were like, um, we were, um, we were uh, in passing and, uh, and I had had that moment where it, I actually found a voice, right? And I was like, okay, this is weird and trippy. And then we talked about it. And then in passing, you were like, and you actually did mention to me, that's why I was bringing it up because you did mention to me that it isn't always there. Right. right? That, you, that you do have to work for it. Right. right? And that was, kind of part of it right so i mean that's why i want you have to, bring to seek that it out yeah yeah. You, yeah you have to be open enough to receive it now you know yeah. and i do want to cover some bases here in terms of the spiritual growth in recovery because like there's a lot of people that are so fucking afraid oh sorry yeah. for the f-bomb so afraid of being like you know um like perceived as being you know crazy preachy or crazy right <laughs> or are you finding god oh cracked about religion <laughs> right you know and that's you know even my wife is like you know oh geez you know <laughs> Because, you know, there is a type, right? And I think for some people, like, you know, especially me, like, you know, you, it's kind of, it's, it is kind of an ego thing, right? You know, it's like, you know, but the truth is, is that if I'm really honest about it, that's the, I feel a voice, you know, I'm not going to call it, you know, necessarily the, the deity of, you know, Jesus, God, right. whatever. I'm not going to do any of that noise. But I do know that there's a difference in my life when I take time to pay attention. Right. right. So, and that's a real big difference. That's a break. That's the door cracking open, and that's getting involved in terms of spirituality for me. That's right? good. You know. So, but I don't know what it's like for you. I know you're going to churches and yeah, you're, you're on mission trips. I mean, you got a whole other thing going on. Not my path, for sure, <laughs> right? You know, because yeah. I'm not going to be running most, around Africa anytime pe- <laughs> soon. So, most people don't, and that's okay. So, and then, and Steve, I guess Every- the interesting part here is you're just not, right? You're not. Not you, or are you spiritual or you said mean, in the past you didn't know mean no. I wouldn't consider myself to be and I've I've honestly tried. I know that's up for debate if you ask certain people as Ellen sits there with a cute well, yeah, little Ellen grinning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, but it's just on honestly, I'm I'm just not. Yeah. And I've I've made my peace with that. I've tried like and I know whether whether or not it's believed or not. I know what the attempts are. I remember the attempts and it's just, it's never felt natural, genuine from me. Like I'm saying my, whatever thing like is there and you know what? It it could be for not trying long enough or like whatever. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know. But this does lead me though to, um, it's, it's really not the thing though, is that I know that that's, that's me, but I would never dissuade another person in sobriety that said they well, had a more spiritual path because I said, look, as long, you know, like you said, I, to I, use your quote, I higher power, like to, or higher yeah, therapist. Yeah, I would like to address that 
straight on because they're I think in just this room alone, you know, we got atheist, agnostic, and believer. Right? right. You know, and I think that's just too damn cool at this moment. So that's that's kind of part of it. Is you know, before that, before you know, agnost my agnosticism, I was definitely atheist, right? So but I was sober, right? You know, and and the other thing is, too is that walking into A, there wasn't one person who said, oh, I'm sorry, you have to believe, you know, to be here. It doesn't happen. So for all you people that are all like, you know, bitchy about AA and like, doesn't, you know, it's like there are there are just as many ways in AA as are, you know, is about AA. Yeah. Right. You know, it's right. Like, you know so I just kind of go for those people who are like hanging their hat on like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm an atheist. I can't do the whole God thing. Yeah. What? No, and, yeah, and have some open mind about this stuff. Yeah. The thing and, is, you know, though, you have to have a higher power. I mean, it doesn't have to be. God per se, but Captain you America is what I've heard. Is okay, really whatever. One. But and I mean, you have to have not to not to put the brakes on this because this is definitely a conversation worth having. The problem is it's a very big one. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But that's true. there's also something though that while we have Ellen here, I think it's it's helpful to hone in on for someone that maybe wants to make their. So if I'm going to if I'm going to church and I have this spiritual awakening and like all of that, what part of how did recovery help with the spirituality or did spirituality help with the recovery like chicken or the egg yeah like why why is it or it's like why why did you not just go to church why did you do both recovery and church i can definitely answer that so i grew up in a semi-religious home thank you blue that's blue she's (laughs) a guest from a former episode (laughs) she's come back um so I grew up in a religious home, and obviously, you know, when you start drinking and uh, uh, just, well, just drinking, you're kind of going away from God. You know, you're becoming the the drunk. You're become you're you're cutting yourself off from that sunlight of the spirit. Okay. A quote for all. Right, you because you know, as in drinking, now you're probably lying. You're probably you're probably you know disobeying. Quite a few things in um, stealing horses, right? Stealing horses, you know. <laughs> um, that horse was in the swimming pool when I got home. <laughs> so you're you're kind of you know saying, okay, God, no, I'm gonna do it my way, which is fine. He lets you do it. Okay, so that's what happened to me. And then when um, I had the spiritual awakening, I realized that he was there the whole time. He was letting me do my thing. And he was saying, okay, are you, are you, are you ready yet? Because, you know, this is very painful (laughs) and you're my child and I don't want to see you in this pain. So he gave me the grace to actually, um, not have too terrible of cravings and made it a little easier for me to get sober. Cause had I had the physical cravings that I hear other people talk about, I don't think I could have stayed sober like that. Um, and luckily it was like 30 days out so i don't know how but that's just how it was for me um and then so the sobriety opened the door to the spiritual path again because now i'm practicing the 12 steps and i'm you know learning to um like not lie and i'm learning all over again i'm learning to not lie and not steal and not treat people badly and not manipulate and things like that so it's opening that door again for the spiritual to come in and kind of take over because 
I'm no longer doing my will because, you know, my will is what gets me drunk. My will is what uh, makes me uh, makes me do those things because, you know, I'm greedy. I want that thing, so I'm going to steal it. Or um, I don't want to deal with the consequence of this, so I'm just I'm just going to lie. I don't know? like that guy, so I'm going to murder him. Um, yeah, a little little extreme, but yeah, okay. Yeah, you're you're on it. the right track, Steve. I get it. So, <laughs> oh, so, I get it. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so those things kind of lead you away from that, and sobriety kind of opens the door to lead you towards spirituality again. Some people get further along than others, and that's okay, and some don't, and that's okay too. Um, you know, but your higher power has to be something greater than yourself because yourself can't get you sober because your brain, your brain's already broken. Okay. So the same brain that you broke can't get you sober because it's already broke. I can't fix my crazy thinking with my crazy thinking. Right. Yeah. So you have to have a higher power. You know, some people use their sponsor for a while or whatever. I mean, um, I'm so sure you, probably you starting off. Crazy, you can't fuck stupid. Is that <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wait, you can't fuck crazy? Is that what you said? Well, maybe you can fuck crazy. You, you can definitely fuck, fuck crazy. I think it's the other way. <laughs> you can't fix stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't fuck stupid. People frown on that, but you can definitely fuck crazy. <laughs> in fact, it's encouraged Wait. in some circles. <laughs> It always sucks for Forrest Gump, though. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, spirituality. Poor Forrest. But he did get laid. I mean, God. So yeah, spirituality. That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway, people. Forrest got laid. That's the takeaway. All right. Yeah, spirituality again. <laughs> Well, I hope that answered your question. No, it did. No, actually, that's a that's a very I've never heard anyone quite put it like that before. When you said, "I had experience walking a spiritual path from my childhood," I went away from it with the sort of lifestyle that comes being in an alcohol, being an active alcoholic, and yeah. being in that disease, and I totally left that spiritual lifestyle. And then in coming back to Alcoholics Anonymous, it's sort of. A natural the, progression. Yeah, like AA just said, look, these are some things that you, these are some things that we suggest through our experience that are, you know, more healthy for you to do, like, you know, don't lie and don't steal and try not to get in and trouble and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you start and feeling then, better and your soul starts feeling yeah, better. And, and then through that, you just sort of said, hey, I kind of remember this and I know, I remember a place I can go that I can get even more. Absolutely. Like, that's actually a very interesting way of putting that. I've never heard it. I've never heard it correlated like that, so I think that's so, actually very. And I have, I mean, putting. the ism partly when it's about alcoholism. The ism for me is I separate myself. You know, mm. there's other acronyms for that stuff, but I really do understand that, right? Because that's really, I mean, not only do I separate separate myself spiritually, right, but I also separate myself, meaning like you know, I'm less than or better than or whatever, right? right? These are all the I separate myself, right? So it's kind of part of it. I see that very much. Yeah. Well. um, I think we've come to that time where we are going to go ahead and wrap things up. I uh, thank you so much for coming on, sweetheart. You oh, did great. I love it. I Yay. love it. Thank you. Thank you for having you me. You have ended the sausage fest. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Don't worry. Don't for all my girl listeners out there. Yeah. Girl power. Yep. So uh, those zippers are up and in their upright <laughs> position and will remain so for the duration of this podcast, which won't be very long. So. 
Uh, with that, we've got just a couple things to cover really quick. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at SoberPod. Use the hashtag SoberPod shoutouts to tweet your recovery milestones and achievements so we can give you a shout-out on the show. Thanks again to at Deanna, don't you know, for giving us yet another shout-out of hers. Uh, it's We just want to be able to share in sobriety with you. Just let us know what's going on in your life. We'd love to talk about it. Like SoberPod on Facebook and rate and review us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Or don't. Or please do. It helps. Uh, it helps a lot. We're all doing no, great. No, I'm much less. I'm much less. I have no shame. Carl has a lot of shame. He has <laughs> reasons to be proud. I don't. Please like us. No, do it right do it. now. I will drink. Don't think I won't. <laughs> don't do it. If I don't see at least ten, <laughs> I'm drinking. But before I die, <laughs> I'm drinking. As for the rest, don't forget to check out everything SoberPod at SoberPod.com. If you have any ideas for episode topics and- yeah, just shut up and keep them to yourself. Don't talk to us. Yeah, who fucking asked you? <laughs> Sitting there with your rum and coke. You think I don't see oh, that? Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Carl has a rum uh, and coke. Guy, I'm sorry. Yeah. Dude. He said, oh, it doesn't count because I almost got burned to death. <laughs> If you have any ideas for episode topics or would like to participate in an episode of SoberPod, visit SoberPod.com and message the show. So with that, uh, any closing thoughts? Closing yep. remarks. Actually, you know, um, w- w- any any tips for the for the newcomer out there? Absolutely. Just keep on coming. Keep on coming to AA. Keep coming back. I know that's a whole, like. I know it's horrible. I know I know it's horrible that you you don't want to hear that, but um, if you just you know just get through it, just come to the meetings and reach out. Kind of like an anima. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But once you're done, it feels so good. (laughs) So good. I feel good every time I leave. (laughs) You know, at least after the meetings, no matter what happened in the meetings, I didn't feel like drinking. At least for a little while. You so. know, we were going to try to come up with a nickname for Ellen during the show, and I think maybe Enema Ellen. Oh. Like, that just happened. It's got Enemelon. some... Enemelon. Enemelon. <laughs> Whatever. Elenema. Elenema. Huh? Huh? Love you, sweetheart. Anyway, so keep coming back. You heard the lady. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is Sober Pod. My name's Steve. See ya. Bye.